podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you business ideas from proven founders. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. We're your hosts, Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney, and on today's show, we have J.B. Kellogg. He's the founder uh, and CEO, co-CEO of Madwire, which he started when he was 28 years old and with the help of a championship team, grew the company to over 100 million plus in revenue and 500 plus employees in under 10 years. That all sounds super impressive, Ethan. But that's not what we're going to talk about today on this episode. Run With It is all about new business ideas. You're basically starting from scratch with us here, JB. You've got one that's going to gamify review generation. We're calling it Reviewify. (laughs) Welcome to the show and tell us about the idea that you would like our listeners to run with. Glad to be on the show. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. And the idea, you know, really is because reviews are so important today for a small business, it's absolutely critical. And the main problem that I've seen is that small businesses all want to have a lot of reviews, but they don't really have a process to capture those reviews. There's a lot of automated tools to have email follow-up for reviews and whatnot, but there really isn't a process to get the organization behind it. How do we create a delightful experience that makes our customers leave reviews? And how do we create a culture and environment in our organization that inspires that. And so the thinking here is, is creating a gamification of generating reviews that gets everybody in the organization behind it and excited about it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of reviews in general. I know that sometimes they can be gamed and they're not very authentic, but I, I as a business owner, in terms of what drives me is reviews, client reviews. I love to get a great Yelp review and actually hear that someone is authentically Uh, being served and they're having a good feeling from that experience. But this is a slightly different angle, right? This is about doing some internal, getting some feedback that can help internally to the company. Like not only are you as a business as a whole looking at the reviews, but somehow there's a way of connecting it with the employees and the people that work at the business. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that might work? You know, it is kind of two-sided, but um, the the main goal would be, you know, to create something that makes it easier for an organization and a business to get everybody behind capturing re- reviews. A lot of times it's just like one person in the organization that's kind of responsible for trying to make sure there's some amount of reviews coming in or sending out surveys or whatever it is. And how do you get every single person to where they're excited about it is the thinking. And um, I was talking to a business owner recently, which was the uh, top rated local number one business in California, most reviews. Um, And when I was talking with him, he said that, you know, it was like a home services type business. And he said that it was required that their reps got a review every time. And if they missed it one time, they basically were penalized. If they missed it twice, they were let go from the organization. They took it that serious. And they had literally like 1,500 online reviews and unbelievable ratings. And so that obviously is something that you can manage to as a business owner. But how do you create a tool that makes it more fun for the employees? And so the thinking is having an app 
that all your employees are on, that at least the ones that are working with the customers, where they, if they have a delightful experience with the customer, they can send them a review request. It comes into the app and, and the app would then be able to keep track of how many reviews each employee has captured, what their average rating was, leaderboards, um, you could organize it by teams, et cetera. Um, so that it's gamified in that regard. So you could see who is the, who's the most delightful person in the company, you know, and you can recognize them for that. Why does there need to be some sort of central solution like this or an additional service? Why, why would someone pay for something like this when they can just manage it internally? Well, because if, if you built it right, it would have functionality that would streamline a lot of stuff for you. So the way I'm thinking about the app you could set the app up. You would then connect your most popular review sites that you want to build reviews on. So there are certain review sites that are relevant to certain industries, for example. So you would go ahead and connect the ones that are most important to you. In other words, if you had a lot of reviews on those review sites and had visibility there, that'd probably help you capture a lot of additional business. So it's a marketing channel in that regard. Let's just say Google My Business was important to me because I had a local business and I wanted to be number one in the maps. The number one ranking signal to be number one in the maps is reviews. So if you have the most reviews in your area, when somebody is searching for the, you know, the nearest chiropractor, for example, you'd be number one. And there's a tremendous amount of usage of Google Maps and that would drive huge sales to your business. Well, how do you get a thousand reviews? Well, you need to use a product like this because you can connect to your Google My Business and then you get your whole organization behind creating delightful experiences and then asking for a review. And so not only are you getting a lot of reviews on Google My Business, the algorithm within the app could rotate between Google My Business and your other two popular review sites. You know, maybe one of them is Facebook, maybe another one is top rated local. So now you're creating a lot of visibility and, and ranking signals within those review platforms for your business. So ultimately, it's going to drive back, you know, a significant amount of sales and trust for the organization. Okay, so we get the idea. And I think uh, everyone knows this. We're all consumers and we probably, every listener out there has, uh, has read reviews and sought them out when seeking to make a big purchase. But they're probably also guilty of very rarely leaving a review. So definitely solves, identifies a problem, good solution for it. How would you validate that this is a solution that companies would want to use and that they would pay for? The way I would do it is I would, I would go ahead and mock it up um, and have prototypes of what the app would look like and tell the story of how it would work and the need for it and the value that it would bring if you used it. And then have some price points and, and try to understand if I showed this to multiple different businesses and had them go through it and then just ask them if they were willing to pay for it and what the price range was. If it was a good enough price point they were willing to pay and they could see the value for it, then I would move forward with it. I think you would need to have enough monthly revenue to overcome the acquisition cost on that because there is going to be some amount of marketing to get the word out about this. And off the top of my head, I think you want businesses to pay close to $100 a month as possible for a product like this. That's kind of where I was thinking, you know, right in that $95 range would be ideal. Um, and if they understood the value of what they would get in sales by having a great reputation, I think that's a no-brainer for them. But if they didn't and there wasn't a lot of buy-in on that, then that would make me question if I would move forward with, with developing the product. Bad cop again here. 
what is to keep a giant marketing competitor like Marketing 360, $100 million company from uh, creating this and adding it onto their platform and crushing you? Nothing. But at the same time, somebody has to do it. You know, we build Marketing 360. We're building 100 things right now. And I honestly, you know, our, our engineering team is so focused on so many things. We don't have the time to build something like this at this point in time. But I like the idea. Honestly, because it's a problem that I hear about and I see all the time with the small businesses that we work with, they just don't have a good process to get more reviews. And reviews are so critical to their business. There's so many businesses that spend thousands of dollars a month on marketing and advertising, but they don't have a good reputation. And the problem is, is they're wasting a lot of marketing dollars because before somebody buys or fills out a lead form or calls you, they're, they're checking your reviews online. If you don't have reviews or those reviews aren't good, then you're just losing out. You're wasting money. So how do you solve for that? And so I've been thinking about this for a while, but you know, this podcast actually made me think about it in a little bit more detail. I think it would work because I'm hearing from these small businesses, but ultimately somebody has to take action. How many businesses do you think you could sign up? So let's say, let's say you can get that magic hundred bucks a month per sign up. How many do you think you get paying 100 bucks a month? A quick calculation to see what kind of revenue you might shoot for. Well, there's 30, 30 million uh, small businesses in the United States, 30 million of them. So even if you had one tenth of 1%, what is that? 30,000 customers or something like that? So there's a substantial market out there. And I think sky's the limit. You could have hundreds of thousands of small business customers you know, pretty easily if you did it right. Yeah, so thirty thousand. That's that was correct. Nice math. Uh, I checked it in the calculator. <laughs> thirty thousand. Thirty thousand customers paying each a hundred dollars a month. So that gives you about three hundred thousand dollars revenue a month to work with, which puts you over three million a year. Which that's a that's a pretty nice market to deal with. And like you said, that's just one tenth of one percent of all of the clients that you have available. So. 30,000 times 100 would be... Oh, uh, would that be 3 million? Be 3 million. Nice. Thank you very much. You know, (laughs) somehow I was able to do like matrix calculus five years ago. And since since I stopped exercising my math muscle, I basically need a calculator to I thought you just sandbag it for the listener because you want to keep this idea yourself. No, just to add single digits at this point, I just, I don't trust myself. So I don't know what happened. (laughs) Anyways, thanks. That's cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good time, JB, to talk a little bit about Marketing 360 and how some of your experiences there have informed this idea. You brought it up a little bit with what some of the businesses that work with you guys talk about and some of the problems that they face. But can you tell us more about some of the challenges that you have faced in Marketing 360 and some of the insights you've learned that you would use in building this business to prevent some of those pitfalls? I think you need to make sure that you have a good user experience with the technology. We've built Marketing 360 and this we're on our third version now. So we've learned a lot in the process. The initial versions didn't have nearly the user experience that we do now. And I think that's extremely critical, especially with a SaaS product like this. You need it to be so smooth. It has to be so simple that any small business could get in there and find their way around. I always say like, if my grandma can't do it, it's just not easy enough. 
And so you, ha you have to build an app that's just so smooth that anybody can get it and get set up and get moving quickly. Um, because the more complicated it is, the more support people you need and the lower your margins start to go. So the smoother you can make that application, the better. And then the other thing I would say is you have to think about marketing the brand because you could have the greatest product in the whole world but if nobody can find it it's not doing you any good and i think bill gates had the best quote ever when he said if you have ten thousand dollars to start a business with spend nine thousand on marketing and a thousand on the product so if you're raising funds for a business make sure not to forget that you need to set some aside like a pretty good chunk aside for the marketing of it because you just never get it off the ground without that Gosh, that's an amazing quote, especially coming from Bill Gates, who I just always think of as like the just the computer nerd who started a computer business because he had the technical know-how. So I'm sure he probably learned that along the way, but that's really interesting uh, quote to hear. I I'm just curious. I'm just throwing this in here uh, slightly off topic, but, but maybe on topic when it comes to getting reviews and uh, culture within a company. You've grown this company from zero to giant. and What's the culture like in your business? I know you're you're you used to play football and you're a quarterback and you really enjoy being an athlete and and you talk about having a team of champions and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the culture of your business. Maybe put it in, in the light of as you grow a, a new company, what type of things to look for in culture? Sure. Yeah, you know, we we have something here we say, which is championship leaders build championship teams that drive championship performance. And in a nutshell, to me, you know, what that means is an A-plus strategy plus a C-plus team is going to equal a C-plus result. But if you have an A-plus team with a C-plus strategy, that could be a B-plus result. It just doesn't work the other way around. So you have to focus on the people. And I think that is a good thing to bring up even just with starting this business is you have to have a great piece of technology, but you have to have great people that are building it. And you have to have great people that are selling it and marketing it and supporting it ultimately to be really successful. And to me, culture just comes down to two things. It's really just execution and the team. And you have to have a mission um, that people stand behind. So with Madwire and Marketing 360, our mission is to help small businesses grow and their local communities glow. And we believe if we do that one thing, it makes the world a better place because people have jobs, it puts food on table, kids through college, et cetera. And so with a business like this, you want to have a mission like that too, which maybe it's we want to help small businesses be more delightful. And by doing that, we're going to create better customer experiences for everybody. It's going to be a better community because all the businesses are so delightful to work with. And ultimately, the more delightful companies are going to be more successful by using our product, which means more people are going to get jobs with businesses or good businesses that believe in good customer experience and creating delightful experiences. So if you have a mission like that behind your organization, it keeps everybody aligned. And, and that, I think that really helps the culture. One of the themes that I've noticed in some of the concepts that you bring up here, JB, and, and a lot of the guests that we've had in the past is the most important thing to focus on is often simple, but it's maybe hard to execute. And then that quote that you had, of it's got to be so simple that your grandma can use it. That is really hard to actually build something that simple. And it's, it can be really easy for people to think, ah, oh, that's close enough and cut corners on that. I also think about this recent quote that I heard from Steve Jobs via Paul Graham. He talks about Steve Jobs always talk about making something insanely great. And if you 
actually think about what that means. Insanely great, like to the point of being insane that you would go that far, right? <laughs> yeah. And that that's not easy to do, but it's such a it's comprised in two words: insanely great. And people just it's simple to convey. Can you talk more about how you can, I guess, steer the ship of a company like this with some of these guiding principles? Yeah, I mean, I think that the blocking and tackling of business, I think you want to know what your numbers look like. So you need to build out a model initially, which is going to be how many, how much should we spend in marketing? How many signups should that generate? Is there a free trial period? What is that? What's the conversion rate to a sale, right? And then what's the expected lifetime value of that customer? How long do they stay? What's the expected churn? You need to at least have a baseline model. I think that's absolutely critical that you feel good about. And then, you know, it's not going to be 100% accurate. So then every month you're going to be slightly tweaking it based on the real, the actuals. And over time you develop essentially a mathematical formula. And that mathematical formula makes it so it's basically a mathematical certainty that you're going to reach your goal if you put this amount of money into marketing. And that's ultimately what you want to do is get to the point where you can say, if I put this much into marketing, I'm going to get this many signups and this many are going to convert to paid. And this is how long that they'll stay. And these, this is how many that we will lose that will churn out. And when you get to that point, you're very accurate on your projections and everything, but you just need to at least have that initial model that you feel good about and then build off of that. I think that's really important. And businesses that don't do that, they're surprised when it doesn't work six months down the road, but they could have figured that out a lot earlier because maybe the model didn't make sense. I want to flip this question on Ted too. You get to work with a lot of business owners, so you get to see a lot of businesses that I can imagine don't do so well. What are some of the mistakes that business owners make? I mean, some of them are just the most obvious things where they're not following up with the customer. They're not following up with the leads. There's just a lack of follow-up. So I see there's a breakdown in sales a lot. There's a breakdown in the sales process. Um, here's another quote day here, but you can never believe that your product is so good it doesn't need to be sold. That's the height of arrogance which means even if your product is unbelievably simple and beautiful and great, it still needs to be sold. So you have to think about that. Who's the salesperson who's responsible for that with the follow-ups to make sure that you're hitting your sales goals? Because I see a lot of breakdowns there. And then the other one we touched, down is, touched on is just not enough of investment in marketing. There's just not even enough of investment. Some people think just building a website and a product, people will magically find it like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. That is not the case. You, you have to get the fans to the field, right? So you have to spend enough money on marketing to do that. I got a question for you. Okay. I'm imagining a grudge match between the never believe the product is so good, it doesn't need to be sold, and the, the product is so good, it sells itself person. <laughs> yeah. They got to battle it out. I think, and also just that concept of nothing's too good to be sold is going to crush a lot of like those developers that are building that app that they're just going to pop up on the app store and it's, it's going to, it's going to blow up. What do you, how do you explain something like Google in the beginning, right? In the beginning, Google was just a box and it was just here. What's your search? What are you looking for? And somehow they they managed to grow. And I know you maybe not don't know the, the details of that story. And I know they a lot of their initial revenue came from like allowing people to sell ads and things like that. But what do you say to something like that? A product that looks like it just grew out of thin air and people just liked it. 
uh, you have to sell the pain. You have to sell the pain, not the product. And if there's no pain, then why are you making the product? You're trying to solve for some kind of problem. So you have to focus on the pain. You have to focus on the problem. And you have an answer for that. And maybe they never thought about that answer, but they agree at least with the fact that there's a problem that needs to be fixed. And if they like your potential solution, they're going to go with you ultimately. So I think for a product like this, you just have to say, like, do you agree that ranking on top of Google My Business in your local area would crush it? Like you would get crazy amounts of sales. Yeah. I got a solution for that. I got a solution for that problem. This is how that works, you know? And then I think that connects the dots for people um, so that they would move forward. Let's get a little bit deeper into the action steps that a listener can take out here. The people that are listening to the show, they probably don't have the resources that you do, JB. They may not have all the industry connections and some of the financial resources that you've accumulated since you built your business. What can someone who is listening to this show, uh, what are some of the action steps that they can take to get this idea going? Uh, I think you you write out all the details of how you think that it should work uh, based on what we talked about. Um, and then find yourself a good UI designer. There's local UI designers. There's lots of online directories to find people like that. Um, then submit your idea and get some UI designs put together. That's not that expensive, really, at the end of the day. And get those initial mock-up comps back. Provide some feedback there. Feel it out. See what you like about it. Um, and then when you have the story and you feel good about it, walk some business owners through it, you know, some friends that, you know, maybe some family members. I think we probably all know a handful of business owners in some capacity that we could reach out to and just see what they think and get their feedback. And I think you just build off of that. You know, what? I'm, I'm noticing an interesting pattern here, Chris, when I look back at the different shows that we've had, and I'm just going through Ray Dalio's principles and he's talking about how there's different personality types and, uh, one thing he calls out is that there's like the big picture thinkers who have a vision and they dream something. And then there's the people that are a little bit more or a lot more got to make a plan first, right? They've got to have a plan instead of just dreaming about the generals of what it's going to be detail oriented people. And it sounds like JB, you're more of that detail oriented type. Would you say that? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And that's interesting too, just to see that I'm seeing a pattern of two ways to get a business started. And one is just get out there and take action. You kind of know what the general idea is. You go out, you sell to people, you see what's going on. You, you lay a foundation that way. And we've definitely had a lot of people say, hey, let's draw it up. Let's put the numbers in place. Let's make sure everything works out on paper first. And then we'll start working together. I, I, I don't know. I'm curious of your opinion on this, JP, mm -hmm. but I think the one key thing to do is to recognize which of those types of person you are and make sure you you bring people on your team very soon that are going to be the other type. Going to be a bit, if you're a detail oriented, they're a big picture. Or if you're a big picture, bring in detail oriented. Any experiences with that kind of thing on your teams? 100%. I totally agree with you. We always say two heads are stronger than one and 100 are way stronger than 10. So the more ways that you can look at something, different perspectives is only going to make you stronger. So I think that's really important. Diversity is huge. Diversity of mindset is powerful and skill set is really powerful. So I 100% agree with that. To have a partner that maybe has strengths in your areas of weakness is obviously ideal. So looking for that, I think is important. One of the questions that I'm picturing a listener may have, just picking it back up with the action steps that you outlined, we're talking to friends who own businesses, maybe second, third degree connections that you know. At what point do you start asking them for money, A, and B, if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with sales, 
Do you have any tips for someone to get over that hurdle? I would have my initial customers would be free. You know, I'd have cust- I'd have a, a number of businesses using it for free, and uh, they're basically the brand ambassadors, and they would use it for free forever. Provide feedback, provide reviews. So you want to capture that initial feedback and reviews, and you may have people want to talk to people, so they could maybe be like your case studies, your customer stories. I think is key. So that group, I'm not sure I'd ever ask for money from them, but. Once I feel confident in the product and ready to actually go live and, and start charging people, that's when I would that's when I would activate that. How much money do you think you need to put into the business before you go live with it? Just off the top of my head, I think developing something like this would probably be twenty five thousand dollars, some somewhere in that area, and then you would probably want to invest call it $5,000 a month in marketing to get the thing going. And then marketing after that is like a flywheel. So what you want to do is make sure your model reinvests back at least 10% of sales back into marketing. So as the revenue increases, your marketing budget, like a snowball increases with it. If you don't do that, marketing can't be fixed because that will just flatline your sales. So your marketing budget needs to increase as well if you want your sales to keep growing. So you may want to set your marketing budget at 10% of your expected sales or your target sales initially, but as your sales actually increase, it will eventually just be a wrap back of sales into marketing. I'm going to come back to the question about a competitor like Marketing 360 crushing you by copying this functionality and incorporating it into their product. How do you protect against something like that? I don't know if you can operate in a state of fear. I think you just have to go. And what's going to happen there if you're really successful is a company like Marketing 360 or some other brand will just buy you. Or you'll say no because you're doing so well and they're not giving you a good enough valuation and you just keep going. You know, Ultimately, there's so many small businesses out there that it, it doesn't really matter. Like There's more than enough business to go around if you're doing a good job with your marketing and your brand and your product's good. They're not going to take every single small business there ever was to their brand. That's impossible. So just keep competing. I would say just compete and and make a product so good that you can compete and or the competitor is going to say, all right, here's X number of millions of dollars. We're just going to buy you because you've done such a great job and we don't even want to try to build what you've built. We just want to we just want to bolt that into our solution and we want to go. I like that attitude. Clearly, a lot of people struggle with this. And, and I know I see you're, you're making sort of motivational videos um, on YouTube that kind of help put people in the right mindset for this kind of stuff. I think that's great. But there's kind of like a, a bit of an epidemic of just having a fear mindset, right? Of just like being in that state of fear and having that be the thing that you dwell on as opposed to just just go. Tell me about you yourself. You must have gotten into a fear mindset here and there, and maybe it happens a lot. But what do you use to snap yourself out of it? Or is it a snap? Or is it like a slow thing? Is there something to take you from fearful to fearless? I just try to always be looking forward looking. I think you always have to have a plan. And with a plan, there's hope. And if you don't have a plan and you don't have hope, it, you start to turn into a state of fear. And I think ultimately you can um, check yourself because ultimately things are never as good as they seem and they're never as bad as they seem somewhere in the middle lies reality 
And I think we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. You know, there's billions of people in the world and there's a lot of people that are, you know, much worse off than we are when you actually step back and look at it. So reset your mindset, focus on the positives and develop a plan. Once you develop a plan, you start to have more hope. You have, hope is reignited and you're re-excited and you go. You're going to have problems. You're going to fail. Things are not going to go right, but you just pivot. You don't stop. You don't quit. You just pivot. And when you pivot, that's just a new plan. So I, that's the way that I've tackled it. Just try to be forward looking. Yeah, I like that. So just the, just the fact of having a plan and going and following the steps that you've laid out, whether they're going to work or not, is something that can really help you keep out of that fear mindset. I think we're ready for a rapid fire section here. Are you ready, JB? Yeah, ready to go. All right, let's do it. Explain the idea to your grandma. Grandma, I have a way for you to get significantly more sales and it's to help you rank at the top of Google My Business for your salon that you started. And we can get so many more women in the community to come in there by getting you more reviews. Can I show you how that would work? Is this a six, seven or eight figure per month business? It has the potential for eight. The market's big enough. Where do your first dollars come from? Uh, you, from you. You have to, hopefully you have some funds set aside, if not work an extra job, but it comes from you. You're going to own 100% of the company that way. Who is your first customer? Friends and family that own businesses. What would make you quit this idea? If I showed everybody the prototypes, gave them my sales pitch, and they didn't want to buy it, they just didn't think it made sense, I'd, I'd show it to maybe 100 different businesses and see what they think. What is the first action a listener should take? Put it in the crock pot and think about it over the course of a week. If you're still excited about it after that, dig in, start creating a plan, and go from there. Nice. You made it through. <laughs> We're coming up on time. One lucky listener may get a free mentoring session with JB and potentially a business partnership on this idea. He's the right person to talk to, obviously, with Marketing 360. JB, tell us a little bit more about Marketing 360. Marketing 360 is a singular platform that a small business can use to both manage their business and market their business. So it has everything you need from, a, from payments, so to do invoicing, subscription billing, e-commerce, to a CRM to manage your leads and customers. It does have some review management features within it, but it doesn't have the gamification piece for the company. So that's the missing component. There's email marketing, social media management built within it, multi-channel advertising. So you can run ads like on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, all within one platform. So the beauty is it's all in one platform. So through one login and one low monthly bill, you have everything you need and it all talks to each other. And so that's what we've done with Marketing 360. So yeah, if you're looking for a platform to grow your business, check it out. JB, thanks for the conversation. To the listener out there who is excited about the idea that, that JB has shared, take some action, follow through the, the steps that JB has listed for you here and report back to us. Email us at update at runwithit.fm. Tell, tell us what you've done and see you next week. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show 
to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.